Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at chumbacasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Thursday's edition of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. The podcast where you have so many sound cunts in it, nobody <laughs> needs to ask us who we didn't vote for. Um, so, the sound cunt to my left tonight is Craig Fowler. Hello. How are you doing? I'm alright. Well, you've got your wee glass of red here. Yes. It's very informal this evening, I see. And this that happens nearly every time I've done a podcast <laughs> with the man in front of me, Sean McGuigan. You alright? Yeah, I'm, I'm grand. Good. I don't know, you didn't Good. notice when I came in. I only noticed this when I was at work today. I bought a, got a new jacket and my wee hat and I was getting all... Tufts or something in your beard. Yeah, that'll be my <laughs> new snood. My new snood. But I just noticed when I was at work, I was looking in the... I caught myself in the mirror, I was like, I look like fucking Joe Pesci in Home Alone. I've got the small little black hat, the grey overcoat, overcoat jacket, so that's my, that's my life now. And that's all brand new bought. Man, they bought me it for my birthday, so I have to wear it now, so... I look like Joe Pesci for the winter. To be honest, I was distracted by a balloon animal kit that you brought. Mm, yeah, Secret Santa. Everyone gets something. Shit, I thought that was pretty <laughs> decent. Secret Santa's a passion. I don't even like taking part in them. I don't, this is my first year at this job, so I thought I would take part. I've got mm. my Christmas night out tomorrow. We're going to Maya's or Mia's Italian restaurant in Dalry. Um So I've tried to make an effort do the Secret Santa next year. I, uh, I didn't take part last year and there was literally 24 people exchanging gifts and then just me just sat myself and I was like no I'll take part next year <laughs> are, you, are you not part of management as well <laughs> you really are so, like, frowned upon I can't even be arsed 
Get talking to you all at Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what happens when you take part. You end up with a balloon animal kit. Yeah, well, maybe we could use it. I mean, I'll be bringing it with us on the 4th of January. Come on, Sean. You said you wouldn't go back to Kirkcaldy in your, your nice wee flat and just whip out the balloon animal kit and entertain yourself for hours, possibly even days. Uh, I'd, I'd, you know, so I wouldn't be able to do it. I'd just, I'd just blow up the balloon. Like, oh, a snake. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be absolutely terrible as well. As far as I know, I'm not like, craving it, but my fingers don't work properly. And I've got eczema, so I'm worried that I'll just pop the balloon in a second. <laughs> Open up. I was talking to someone actually at the pub on Sunday, um, a, a mutual sort of acquaintance of ours, Craig, who we went to school okay. with, uh, and he was telling me about when he played under Tam Hendry, the old Submarin. Uh, oh, yeah. Under SPL, and he was telling me how primitive that whole experience was, because it was after... Tam Hendry had been at the SP at Marriage St Mirren and this is him in the juniors and Tam Hendry managed him and he just said he was sitting on the bench one day he never got a game and it was the game's raging on the guy gets to the byline and he says putting a, a great ball flashed it across the box and never got anything and the, and the person involved was like oh well, that was a great ball in Tam Hendry just stopped everything turned and gave him the biggest look of disdain it's not a fucking good ball that's a flashy no fucking looky absolutely furious <laughs> <laughs> and then he made he said it training he said it was just so primitive the whole set because we went to training and uh, they were doing set piece set pieces and he just said to him you just stand at the back post and all you have to do is stand there don't leave there for one second and when the ball comes to you you fuck it in the net <laughs> and he's like <laughs> but Tam it needs to travel through 18 bodies to get, <laughs> to get to me <laughs> I'll still be sitting at St Mark's next week still just sitting there with your freezing hand against the um, against the post so maybe football has got better what's that got to do with balloon animals <laughs> I'm struggling for the link as there well was, there was no link I was just wanting to chat about it and I knew if I didn't say it then it would be uh, I mean you'd as well be managed by one of my balloon animals as you are Tam Henry there's your link okay yeah, that makes sense right okay and uh, talking of the sort of primitive parts of uh, Scottish football let's delve into the into the lower leagues and are we going well, to that's be that's like oh thank you <laughs> that's, that's, and that's professionals telling me guys from TV guys who made careers out of it thanks um, where are we going to start are we going to go in the championship or do you just want to go into League 1 let's go to League 1 first League 1 let's right. warm up with an expert and then oh, yeah, we've got me up, yeah. basically passing off other people's notes as my own knowledge <laughs> <laughs> I have to get to even new levels. I'm passing off other people's questions. Is my <laughs> <laughs> um, so we've got, uh, we're going to do the top four, mm-hmm. uh, which does involve a Royal Rumble, a Royal Rumble title battle. Fatal four way. Uh, right, okay. That makes more sense. Uh, okay. Royal Rumble's 30, 30 participants. Ah, and yeah. then eventually it gets whittled into four. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> got you there. It's also four at other points as well. Uh, but you could also say that there are six people there and two people get thrown over at the same time. And that would still make it four. Sorry, everyone. Um, <laughs> three people get sent over at the same time, and then you've only what? got three. <laughs> uh, <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> um, but we want to start with that top four, which is now Wraith, Airdrie, Falkirk, and East Fife. And you're going to tell us a bit about Wraith Rovers and Airdrie. I Wraith, know you've. Wraith Airdrie was arguably the best game I've seen at Stats Park for a good while. Not because it was any good, but just because it was jam packed full of incident. I don't know if you could have crowbarred any more incidents into it. Wraith Rovers were reasonably fortunate to be a goal up at half-time. Airdrie had hit the bar. Uh, Callum Smith had missed a set-up when he was 1-1 one one with just Rossman Rotor B and he kind of screwed it horribly wide. Uh, Rovers were a goal up thanks to Ross Matthews. Uh, a pretty well-taken goal when I think Keira McDonald had uh, a kind of driven 
cross for the, for the left-hand side. He'd done really well. I don't know if he steered it past the keeper over it just hit off him and went in. But fair play, 1-0 Rovers at, at half-time. Ian Davidson then got a straight red card for attempting to break an energy player's hip about 10 minutes into the second half. Sounds like a red card. Just an outrageous <laughs> time. It was, it was so late. And he, I mean, he literally, it was just so late. So high. And nowhere near the ball. Uh, and he just huckled him right at the hip. Straight red. Which, interestingly, that's his, officially, I think it's his third red card of the season. Because the red card that he got at Balmour against Peter Head about a month ago, apparently he got the equivalent of two red cards. And bear in mind, he got a red card for shouting at the referee. What on earth do you get a double red card for shouting at the referee? <laughs> what on earth do you Fuck off. Got? Red card. <laughs> Fuck off again. Red card. <laughs> incredible. That would have been Jake Mulroney at the weekend. That could have been. But anyway, that was way out of 10 minutes. That was a nonsense red card. Oh, oh God. You see it happen all so, the time. Right, we're not talking, we're talking about hearts. We're talking about Wraith Rovers. And they are foul mouth players. Uh, and as much as Airdrie were far away the better team in the second half, they never really stretched Rovers. They never really got in behind them. It was an example of how not to play against 10 men. Ross Monroe never really had a save to make. Airdrie were then reduced to 10 men with five minutes to go. I thought, right, surely we're fine now. Airdrie then went down to nine men because they had a player injured, but they'd used all their subs. I goes, right, we're fine now. Uh, Airdrie then hit the bar, uh, and that was after Kel Benedictus tipped it onto the bar using his hands. Uh, which you would suggest probably should have been a penalty. Mm-hmm. Uh, nah, nah, never got a penalty. <laughs> and, then, and then we got reduced to nine men as well when Ross Matthews got a red card in the 93rd yes, minute. I had to message you asking who, if it, which Wraith Rovers player was deserved of a Team of the Week place because reading through the forum on Pi and Bovril, it was just everybody moaning about referees and decisions <laughs> that went out their way or didn't go their way or whatever. But the thing was, other than the, other than the Airdrie red card, which I think it was Crichton got dismissed, now, bear in mind, he didn't make any attempt to play the ball. He kicked, I can't remember, he kicked, he kicked the Rovers player in the back of the leg. It was a, a breakaway, and you would normally, normally you would get a yellow card for that. However, it was a fairly strong tackle. I could kind of understand if it was a red card, although I thought it was a yellow personally. But the two Rafe decisions were, were definite red cards. Uh, the handball, it looked like a handball for where I was. The replay, I wasn't entirely sure, but I would have said that he probably got the majority of the decisions right. But I thought it was quite unusual at the end of the game, so... It felt like a big result for Wraith Rovers. It put them back, of the league, uh, back to the top of the league. The players came over to the fans and the, the fans didn't hear kind of stand ovation, clap them off. But even though Airdrie had lost, even though they played pretty well, their fans gave them a standing ovation when the Airdrie players went oh, over to them as well. Which is, but that's quite unusual. It's, 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 it's a hard fought defeat away from home mm-hmm. to the team that's also kind of promotion contenders. They feel they were a little hard done by. And also, it's, that's ended their winning run as well. So it's probably a, uh, an accumulation. But you think about where Airdrie were, say, two months ago. I mean, we spoke about Airdrie and uh, the fans wanted rid of Ian Murray. They actually altered where everybody sits at uh, Pennycar Stadium. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so they turned the area around the dugout into a family section because Ian Monroe was getting so much abuse. Ian Monroe? Uh, Ian Murray was getting so much abuse. <laughs> 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 Uh, I think Ian Munro is my no it's Gordon Munro is my local candidate for Labour <laughs> Ian Munro was a terrible Wraith Rovers manager right, in, okay. uh, in the kind of mid to late 90s uh, when we just collected terrible managers well talk, talking about that um, so Virgie is saying that they had a really slow start and obviously something that's changed in recent weeks is the emergence of Colin Cameron how big an impact do you believe he's had on 
then moving up the table. He might have had he might have had an impact. I think taking we, just say for those who don't know, he's the assistant manager. He's, he's, the assistant he's, manager. Manager. <laughs> he's not come he's back to play. <laughs> I mean, he might have had an impact. Uh, they they have improved roughly since about then. I think taking Nathaniel Wedderburn out of the team probably had a bigger impact. He was. I thought he was probably Wraith Rovers' weakest link last season in a team full of weak links. He's <laughs> uh, just so slow, he's so ponderous. He has uh, a kind of decent range of passing as long as, as it's within 10 to 15 yards, but if he's caught the wrong side, then he's essentially a man shot. That would really like all professional footballers have a decent range of passing <laughs> to 10 to <or> 15 yards. <laughs> but in mind, he is supposed to be a defensive midfielder and he very rarely protects the back four, and that's one of Airdrie's biggest issues this season. He also played one up front. Uh, Callum Gallagher was generally played it wide and he probably suits being up front. It moved him up front with Dale Carrick and suddenly the two of them have struck up a really good partnership up front. They've become reasonably prolific over the last kind of five or six games. So I think those Did two Dale things... Dale Carrick not score a ridiculous goal? He yep. scored a, was that a back heel volley against Stranraer. Yeah, back, back heel... Bar and in. Half volley or on the bounce, depending on what your definition of a half volley is. Aye, off the bar and then. Superb. So aye, perhaps Cameron's had a really good influence, uh, but I think... And we've got Stick, because we refer to him as ex-Hearts player as opposed to Erdrionians player, and we shared it on Twitter. Aye, and rightly so. Oh, fuck off. Who's who who done that? Eh? Was it you who done that? It was me that done that. Ah, come on, Craig. Typical. You're better than that. What? (laughs) (laughs) What would they prefer? You just say current... Oh, I'm sorry, let's have a look at all the other fucking accounts giffing... Fucking Airdrieonians goals. Just fuck off. Just, just put Airdrie forward, Dale Carrick. Ah, that was an oversight. <laughs> oh, so you admit you were wrong. Uh, <laughs> very unusual. Very unusual for him. It's like question time. It's about you running the fridge. Um, <laughs> um, but back to the Rovers, mm-hmm. um, you've had a sort of huge injury to possibly the best midfielder in the league in Regan Hendry, but you don't seem to have missed a beat, really. It's all, uh, it's all very strange because... I thought Wraith Rovers had a pretty decent spike in their team. So Stephen Anderson could probably play for a team that's better than Wraith Rovers. Uh, Lewis Vaughan could do the same. Reagan Henry could, could absolutely do the same. Henry's injured. Vaughan's out, possibly forever. Stephen Anderson has been missing recently. And we have been rubbish. And we just keep winning games. And we've had four clean sheets in a row, which is our best defensive performance since, I think, 2010. They had one shot on target against Montrose and they won 1-0. They had one shot on target against Forford and drew 0-0. They had one shot on target against Airdrie and won 1-0. They aren't playing well at all, but they are grinding out results, which is admirable in itself. And what are going to say contractually obliged to say that's what makes champions? <laughs> <laughs> but that isn't, a, that isn't a sequence. Well, when you're struggling for questions, you do. <laughs> that's, that's not a sequence that can sustain them. They can't continually turn up on a Saturday not play particularly well and be reliant on a kind of back-to-the-wall performance. I mean, against Airdrie in the second half, they really got out their own half. Against Montrose in the first half, they really got out their own half. They can't rely on that week in, week out. Some players are due back, so Regan Henry started training again. Stephen Anderson is expected to be back for a week on Saturday against Dumbarton. Michael Miller's a big loss, so him and Kieran McDonald have been the fullbacks this season and they both bomb on, they both give them a really good width. Uh, Michael Miller's actually scored five goals this season, chipped in as well, and he's been a big loss, but he is expected to be out for a, a good while yet. So it's been a kind of mixed bag on the, the inj- injury news. Uh, but this Saturday is a, a massive game. The fact that Falkirk dropped points again at the weekend means that they're four points behind are over, so whatever happens this weekend when they take on Falkirk, Wraith will still be ahead of will still have their noses in front, even if they lose. Uh, I think it's a far bigger game for Falkirk than it is Wraith, though. 
And how do you... Well, that'll lead us on nicely to Falkirk. I mean, do you think they've got that in them? I mean, Sean, do you reckon that they... Because they don't seem to be answering a lot of questions. They're struggling in in most games. They're not, they're not really having any sort of large wins. I think I can't really think of many through the season. I, I think that their managerial situation is extremely strange. To have a... To have a temporary management duel that isn't something that's particularly common. Sounds and, and like ex- people might not know what they're doing. An inexperienced temporary management duel with both of the duo came from other clubs. Yeah. I although I've never heard of that yeah. before. And I think both of them have an arrangement in place so that if it doesn't work out, they can both go back to those clubs. Certainly, David McCracken has someone in place with Peter Head, where he is allowed to go back if Falkirk don't keep him on. I, I just think that footballers. Probably like stability. So, so you know how you, you sometimes get that situation where managers say, right, I, I will leave at the end of this season. Mm-hmm. And generally it doesn't normally work out. I, I just think this could be something similar with Falkirk in that. Uh, That's a huge risk to be taken. Would, would, I know it was going really badly under McKinnon, but would you say it's not just better just to go behind his back, get everything sorted with a new manager, then bin him? then bring in the new management team. I, mean, I suppose there's an argument that you bring in those two, make it temporary. If it goes particularly well, then you just make it permanent. And if it isn't going well, then you can bin them quite easily and then bring in somebody else. That, that still seems... But the, all, if, all this is happening, though, that your games are happening thick and fast. And the, the you're, already, you're already four points behind. And I know maybe you're thinking because they are um, such a big club in that environment that they maybe fancy themselves that even if it comes to the playoffs that they would be able to negotiate them. But, I mean, that is a huge risk because how long can Falkirk continue as they are playing playing in that league? I think they made something like a £700,000 loss when they got relegated last season. I mean, that's a, you would a hell of a lot. You'd imagine they'll make another massive loss this season because they won't, there won't be any away fans. Yeah, but they can sell all the burgeoning young talent coming through the academy. <laughs> the, oh, wait. I, I mean, that maybe wasn't the board's greatest decision in the benefit of hindsight. Uh, I, I don't know if I've been that impressed by Lee Miller and David McCracken. They, they beat Lin, Linlithgow Rose. Mm-hmm. Uh, 4-1. 4-1. Okay, fair Two late goals as well. Yep. They were, uh, I watched the game, they were quite... They were pretty dominant. dominant. Yeah, I watched the second half. Yeah. They beat Shinrath by three goals to nil, but Saturday there, they were quite fortunate to get a nil-nil draw with these five... It was a fairly a fairly poor spectacle. If it wasn't for Robbie Much and Goals, who pulled off a couple of really good saves, East Fife would have won the game, and they probably would have deserved to win the game. It, it's strange how they. I think it's kind of strange how they set up. So it's three five two. Paul Dixon on the left, bombing forward. Mikey Doyle bombing forward. They are they're, they're kind of willing fullbacks or wingbacks, I should say. I don't know if they're particularly capable. But the, the kind of central three of Mogaro Gomez and uh, Gary Miller and Louis Longridge. So that's two very much defensive midfielders. And Longridge is, well, I don't know what he is. Is he, is he a winger? Is he a forward? Is he a number 10? He certainly isn't a central midfielder. So it was a strange way to set up. Very defensive, very similar to what Ray McKinnon used to set up. People used to say that McKinnon was kind of safety first and dour and quite negative. And it seemed very similar on, on Saturday as well. And I think already Falkirk fans are wondering if this is a particularly good uh, setup that they've replaced and that's, McKinnon with. That's strange as well because if you think after McKinnon, and even like at the end of last season, it's, I know it's, this is a very simple way to look at it in football, so a bit more complicated than this. But at the end of last season, when Falkirk had to win, McKinnon said his team uh, play expansive football and they won, and results went against them and they went down. He didn't kind of keep that up, and that's how they've kind of struggled this season. You think the board would then go kind of similar to what <clears throat> Hearts have done? I don't know if it's going to work at Hearts, but Hearts fans won't. <laughs> Hearts fans weren't happy with the style of play, and so Hearts, 
I don't know whether this was by accident, but they went out and got a manager who is preaches everything the fans want. Attacking high tempo, high pressing football. So and, why don't and dress badly like all jambos? Nothing wrong with his dressing. <laughs> uh, how dare you? Robbie Nielsen was a very sharpy dresser. <laughs> I mean, the fact that you're able to pull one out the back there. Tells and Paolo Sergio. <laughs> Just because of Craig Levine and John McGlynn, don't you tie them all with the same brush? I'm, so, I'm talking more about the fans. <laughs> That's right! <laughs> That's a fair point. Um, okay, Kelly's just very well dressed. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Fucking... Ah, you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. I have to draw the line. So. <laughs> yeah, he didn't wear normal clothes till you were 21. I'm you're, not 21 now. Because your girlfriend dressed you. You wore football stuff forever. Hi, but I don't know. <laughs> you were taught them straight to the pub. I don't know, I maybe made that. I don't get off. Yeah, but Falkirk don't seem to have done that. I don't seem to have gone out and said, right, let's... The problem is McKinnon's been he's refusing to let this team off the leash. Let's get somebody who's going to play a bit of expansive football and let's see if the fact that we have the biggest budget, we, on paper, maybe have the best players, let's get somebody who can do that. And instead, they say they bring in two guys, which is quite weird to begin with. a striker off Livingston. A striker and a defender. <laughs> who, who, could, who would probably do better than uh, McManus and Conor Salmon up front this but, aye, but what do they know about like their football philosophy and... And stuff like that. I mean, Ooh. they're just bringing in two former players. Like, oh, they were good guys. They, they, they'll probably be good. The folk have a philosophy. No, but like you say, they don't know the, the philosophy the, of McCracken and yeah, Miller. They, they don't know how they want to play. Whether they're they, going to done any? Have they been doing coaching or anything leading up to this? Yeah, I'll, I'll assume so. <laughs> like I think Lee Miller has, because Lee Miller's been cropped since like 2011. <laughs> um, but East Fife weren't able to take advantage, and they've gone through a sort of. Downturn and uh, but like I said with Darren Young, that seems to have happened quite a lot because yes. um, obviously it goes through like really good times, mm-hmm. then the arse sort of falls out of it, and that would have had a big impact on them losing to uh, BSC Glasgow. Does it not happen a lot just because they're East Fife and they're not? That's a very big club. I uh, if you look at East Fife squad though, they've got a and you can say this for the last two years now, they've got a, a talented squad for a for a part time team at, at League One, and the fact that they. I mean, it's not that they're inconsistent because they'll literally go months of being brilliant and then follow up with months of being absolutely shite. <laughs> kind of looks like, well, you know something, they, they look resilient against Falkirk and they're probably the better team. So maybe maybe they're not quite going into this uh, rut that they, they, they very often find themselves on. But it, it's, it's a kind of big time for these five. So they are five points off the top now. And it's a kind of big time, I suppose, for Darren Young as well. So... Start of the season, East Fife fans probably would have been glad to see the back of him. Then they thought he was doing particularly well. However, that result against BSC Glasgow means that he has now been in charge of East Fife when they've arguably had two of their worst results ever. So that defeat to, to BSC Glasgow. Then was it last season or the season before they lost to Broda Rangers? Not to make the Scottish Cup. I mean, that is two woeful uh, results. So if they go into this kind of tailspin of, Pat this kind of, tailspin of, uh, of despair again, bear in mind he has... Certainly applied for other jobs. I think he applied for the air job. He was interviewed for another job as well. I can't remember which one it was, but certainly a full-time position. So it looks like he is keen to become a full-time manager. But if they if their form tails off again, then you would you would imagine he might struggle to, to achieve it's, that. It's tough because you, you give a lot of criticism to the managers um, for like jumping ship quite quickly, but it must be real tough. When you're a part-time manager, knowing when trying to get out when your stock's high, because you know when the part-time footballers, there is a great chance that you probably will go on yeah. a poor run on some point. So I can see that being a really difficult sort of avenue to navigate, especially when you're a 
And especially when you'll have a sort of, and I'm not criticizing a criticism, like a bit of arrogance, a bit of self-belief. Like you would if you're Darren Young. I mean, you're, you've been you've been a sort of semi-successful sort of Scottish footballer. You, you're a well-known guy. And it is, I can see the difficulty in that. And now you could easily get your fingers burnt and then end up with, fuck all. They've got a, they've got a talented squad though. Only, only Falkirk's conceded uh, fewer goals than them. They've got a decent midfield. Where they might get let down is... The two strikers, generally Anton Dowds and Ryan Wallace. Wallace uh, just returned from injury against uh, Falkirk and he made a massive difference. But those are two guys who uh, can stretch defences and they make things difficult for them and they're, they're hard workers but they're not necessarily goal scorers. I think between them they've got maybe seven goals between them and for a team to win the league, that's probably not going to be enough. I know our both won the league last season without really having a recognised goal scorer but... That's why Dick Campbell in the dugout. Exactly. Uh, I, I, I can't see. I, I <laughs> and can't Bobby Lynn. See, I, I, well, exactly. They did have Bobby Lynn that was able to chip in from midfield with 17 goals yeah. or something like that. East Fife, East Fife don't have that. They don't have the ability to go just consistently winning games week in, week out, which is what I've both done last season. So East Fife, if anybody's going to fall away, I would, I would expect it to be them. But, but would you argue that they're not in the position that they should be at the moment? I expected East Fife to be there or thereabouts in the playoffs. So the fact that they're sitting fourth is probably where you've I expect Falk, them to You've got Wraith Rovers and, and Airdrie. They are all bigger clubs. Yes. Sure, yes. it's not uh, me being rude. Yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah. and, and see, of the four, only Falkirk, I think, are capable of really lifting their performances and potentially going on seven, eight game winning run. However, there is also a kind of whiff of... That Dunfermline team that finished about seventh in League One, I, I genuinely think the board are maybe one or two poor decisions away, as in maybe keeping McCracken and, and Miller on, if that's a mistake, or replacing them with an absolute double, and they oh, maybe just go in there. Craig Telfer sitting in his room right now, listening to this, uh, rubbing his hands. I mean, and go wrong, they might just click and they might just pull away for the rest, but the, the fact that they are far and away the biggest full time team in that league, and they're. They're stinking. They've only won six games. Uh, six, seven, six games in 16. For Falkirk to, to, to have won that. would be dreadful for them in the Championship. Aye. That would be like, if they were, they're, they're Falkirk sitting in the Championship and they've won six games in 16. I ain't got a lot of people to say that's really poor form. To have won so few games in, in League One is, is highly embarrassing for them and they, they need something. Whether it's Miller McCracken, I, I'm not so sure. I, I genuinely think if they don't win this Saturday against Wraith Rovers, then that might be the end of them. You imagine he's in the background doing trying to get another manager. I thought that was the whole point, is that they'd got the two guys in to sort of steady the ship and that the whole time they'd be away trying to get... McCracken says that he still expects to be uh, in charge of the club come January. So he... They're, they're certainly... I, mean, don't, I, I don't think they were leaving their job. How thick, how thick... Sorry, excuse my ignorance. Uh, how thick and fast are the games... At League One level over Christmas time. I don't think. I think they're just every weekend. Ah, this is not, not like okay, yeah. not like a top flight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. literally every cramming a game. Yeah, 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 like, I was like, that's that fucking massive risk. I'll see you giant. You've got eight games. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, we'll finish it up there with League One. But I mean, do I put your neck on the line. Where's 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 this going to go? Who's going to? Are Falkirk, for example, going to come? You're still refusing to pick Wraith Rovers top, aren't you? And. Uh, I would I would be very surprised if Rovers won. I think I think Rovers will finish second, and I think they will. Uh, I think they'll win the playoffs. All oh, right, oh, yummy, 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 yummy. <laughs> <laughs> get, your, get your notepads out. Let's get that all written down. And what's going to happen with Ian Murray and Colin Cameron's Airdrie? Uh, they will. Uh, no, they'll do pretty well. They've got a decent score. You're still back in Falkirk to win the league. 
to, to, to get sure, a manager. Surely, you look at. I mean, look at the guys that didn't play on Saturday. So Michael Tidzer didn't play on Saturday. Uh, Charlie Telford didn't play on Saturday. Uh, Aidan Connolly didn't play on Saturday. They, they may have come on as subs, but they certainly didn't start. I mean, the fact that they've got guys like that on the bench, jeez, oh man, they should be winning that league easy. But let's make our moves to the championship. Where <laughs> championship. The championship where we're going to be discussing Dunfermline and Dundee United. Yes. Who both in their last games defeated Green at Morton, by the way. There's a bit of, there's a bit of research for you there. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll start with Dunfermline, Craig oh. Fowler. I think we're going to go we're going to you for this stuff. Eh? Yes. Dunfermline similarly had a slow start, similar yes. to Airdrie, like you were talking about earlier. But like last season at the division, it seems there are only a few results between being in the relegation playoffs and the promotion playoffs. Craig Watt. They're now third. They're now third. So they took a gamble on a number of lower league youngsters. Yes. And are, they just, are they clicking now? Are we moving forward? Yeah. Things certainly seem to be clicking and moving forward. So yeah, you mentioned that a really poor run early in the season. They actually started the campaign looking pretty good despite getting two draws. They were the better team against Dundee in the opening day. were undone by a couple of controversial penalty calls. We were at the game, finished two each. They then went to, I think it was Morton the next week, either Morton or Queens, uh, with a better team. Queens. Queens, with a better team, peppered the goal first half. We're 1 0 up, but uh, I think they were 1 0 up. But anyway, they drew one each and probably should have taken all three points. They then went to Celtic in the cup and took Celtic, well, Dudwatt, Wren, Lazio, Cluj, haven't been able to do uh, in the Europa League. And that's hold Celtic in 90 minutes, <laughs> finished 1 each. And went extra time, and uh, they were narrowly beaten two one. James Forrest scored. He kind of so are you insinuating that Dunfermline would be qualifying from the Europa League? Am I am I saying that Dunfermline are better than those uh, curly bunch of fascist cunts over in Italy? Yes, exactly yes, what I'm saying. Yes, <laughs> there we go. Um, I'm not so sure that a Paul Payton led side would qualify for my Europa. Would be winning in Rome. <laughs> I'll get one to pop it a little. Uh, but I don't know whether it was a hangover that snowballed or they kind of thought they had ideas above their station. But uh, then they went on a very poor run of results. They lost their next floor, including two to part-time opposition. That was Arbroath in the league in Aloha in the Challenge Cup. Went out at home. They like stinking sort of pooping busters. As they're, they're formed they kind of wee bit up and down. They, they managed to get themselves off the canvas by winning the... the if I don't, Stevie Crawford managed to win the If I don't win this, I might get sacked. Clash against Gary Caldwell's Partick Thistle, <laughs> uh, which won 3 0 away from home. Uh, they put the Gary Caldwell? Yeah, he was sacked. <laughs> then drew the next two, won against Ayr, lost United, but rebounded to beat Arbroath and Queen. So you kind of thought they were on the right path. And then they hit another a poor patch. Right? A couple of games in a row that were really, really bad. They lost away to Alloa, who I think at that time were kind of looking like they were maybe going to be kind of definitely the worst team in the league. A bit Alloa as they've done a few times this season where I think a lot of people have thought that about them bounce back uh, yeah I mean honestly they have they've stung my coupon four times I know I... every time I bet against them and that like every one of those coupons I've been beaten by Alawa only I, I think, think all Alawa, the time I think Alawa are the worst team in the league but then the the, the, the of the season so far was losing away to Stranraer in the Scottish Cup 1-0 where they were by all accounts dreadful <laughs> Sean's uh, laughing at that but <laughs> glad to right went right, right for that <laughs> <laughs> but since then they've won their last three uh, scoring nine and conceding only two. Now, a huge reason for this is Kevin Nisbet. Of the, the nine goals they've scored, he scored Tamil, seven of them. And Tamil Weir. And I would add the caveat that if uh, teams are going to defend like Patrick Thistle and Morton, then guys like Kevin Nisbet will always uh, score goals against them. However, the Fairman do seem to have turned the corner. However, they're a bit like, they'll certainly under Stevie Crawford, they're a wee bit like East Fife, in that they can put together 
uh, a fantastic sequence and you're like, right, actually the filming's the filming's pretty good. And then they can suddenly go ten games without a win and you're like, no, actually they're absolutely shite. I think they do have although to be fair I've been saying this now for about three seasons, I think they've got a pretty good squad and I think they, they very much should be challenging for uh, the, the promotion playoffs. I think Crawford they're sitting third at the moment, so, so you have to say that Crawford's doing a very good job, especially when you consider that they made a pretty big loss last season and they, they announced that they were going to have to really cut their budget, which is what, which is why you had to kind of shop around in yeah. the lower leagues for players. And as ever, when a team goes on a, a massive recruitment drive, there's going to be hits and misses. But in general, his sign seems to have been yeah. hit. I mean... We've talked about Nisbet. Nisbet's obviously been huge. He's the second top goal scorer in the championship behind Shanklin with 13 goals so far. By the halfway point, that's a, a tremendous return. He has scored quite a few penalties, but even still, uh, as I've said numerous times in the show, as a Hearts fan, and I mean Rangers fans will uh, attest. attest to this as well, it's not always easy to score penalties. Um, but another sign-in who's been excellent is Ryan Dow. And I really thought when Ryan Dow's coming back up for Peterhead, his kind of career had done that kind of downward trajectory comes up two levels and I'm thinking yeah that doesn't sound good but he's been excellent oh. this season the general Re- really turned up on the right of midfield the general consensus about Dow what uh, what the Fenway fans were told was he would have one good game then you wouldn't notice something the next two or three weeks then he would have another good game hasn't been like that at all he along with Nisbet has been their two main men and generally Dow it's been extremely unusual for him to have a, a poor game this season if he's had any. He's generally been a stick out. It's also helped as well that they managed to get Greg Kilty towards the end of the, the Jan. Uh, so the so summer, they two played as the wide men. Those are two are the wide men. He's kind of tinkered but, with the formation. He moves between a kind of five midfield formation, whether it's you know four two three one or four one four one whatever, yeah. uh, and four four two. Uh, but yeah, they're generally the wide men, and in the centre. It's it's typically been Peyton and Beadling with kind of Kyle Turner if it's a if it's a two, uh, Turner's kind of come in and out. If it's a three, Turner usually starts as a number ten. But in the last couple of games, he's started with Harry Cochran, who couldn't really get a game to start with when he first went there, but uh, is impressed in the last couple of games. And the uh, I spoke to two Dunfermline fans about this. I spoke to Michael Wood to provide me with lots of notes and Ricky Lord, and, and Ricky said that he was surprised that Cochran was as kind of tenacious as he was. And yes, actually, Harry Cochran, he looks like a a stiff fart could blow him over, but as any Hibs fan who's seen him in a derby, he's, despite his size... He's to kick people out. Yeah, he's, he's willing to get stuck in, and uh, I think he's shown that, and he, obviously his passing's pretty decent as well. But their defence has also improved recently, and they've got quite a settled defence. Aaron Comrie at the right-back has played every minute this season. Uh, Lee Ashcroft's been pretty much an ever-present as well. Lewis Martin is impressed both at full-back and centre-half. Even even Danny Devine... Just about to say, is, even is, Danny Devine's done okay this yeah, season. Yeah, he's looked off. And uh, they've also brought in a young goalkeeper. So Ryan Scully started the season. He was dropped after, a, a, I think it was a poor game. I think it was Inverness that uh, Michael told me. Uh, and then Cammy Gill, an academy pro, uh, prospect, came in. Looked a bit shaky to start with, but he started the last three games and has been good as well. So the next two games are huge, though. They're away to Dundee and away to Inverness. I think that's going to tell us a lot about whether this team is... I mean, I still think they'd be capable of finishing in the top four, but whether they are a proper... Promotion contender, or whether they're just like could they actually go through the playoffs? Yeah, whether they could actually go through the playoffs, whether they could finish second or third, or they're just a team that's going to kind of flip between fourth and sixth for the entire season. I mean, we could get. I think we could, in terms of the how poor the bottom of the Premier League is. I think this could definitely be a year where we do get the second team up for the championship. Well, I we, do think, we uh, thought it last year. I mean, Dundee United came very close to doing it, and Lovey done it year before. Nobody expected them mm. to. So I do think it's weird how often Crawford 
mucks about with his uh, formation though. So see when they were going through that really poor run at the start of the season, I think he tweaked his formation it was something like seven weeks in a row. Uh, he then settled on the Stevie 4 Stevie Crawford's a tinker, man. I don't know about this. <laughs> Even though I was the one, they just changed it every week. Anyway, I... Then he went to a four-four-two, and it seemed to work. So, I mean, the, the, as it stands, they've only lost uh, three games in 12, I think it is. But since that defeat against Aloha and Shunmar, he has went back to changing his formation uh, for his last three games. Now, you can't really argue with that, because as Fowler says, that they've won the last three games. But I do wonder if he thinks too much about the opposition, uh, and maybe maybe he just overthinks things. And I, I, I think he, I think he needs to get back to a, a settled team again and a settled formation because it seemed to it seemed to do him the world of good. So from a if I was a Dunfermline fan, I'd maybe be a wee bit worried that it was going back to this changing the team every single week because that, that doesn't seem like a, a good scenario to me. I'm enjoying it. Right, Stevie Crawford's acting like Rafa Benitez. Right, we're on at a time back and quickly. Go, 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 United. Yeah, quickly go through. <laughs> <laughs> Champions elect. Um, As I open this bottle away. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I mean, we don't need to talk much, really. I mean, are we are we all just in agreement that Dundee United have done it? I, th- I think it, it would take a I think a bit of a collapse right now. They really look. I don't like, know if there's any team. It's the, even if they started doing relatively shit, I don't know if there's anyone behind them. I that think could, if Dundee United, see if Dundee United were chasing somebody that they were ten points ahead of, you can say, well, maybe Dundee United will, will be able to chase that down because Dundee United have the best squad. But the fact that they've got the best group of players and everybody underneath them seems very much inconsistent. And Nielsen's done this before. Mm-hmm. This exactly, this exact scenario. Well, that's, I was going to talk about that because obviously when they lost the playoff final, I think a majority of fans would have quite liked to see Nielsen go because they thought yep. he underachieved last season. They thought he was overly pragmatic, uh, kind of like he was. Well, th- this is what was going to come on to it. Last season he was Hearts in the Premiership, Nielsen. Uh, this season he is Hearts in the Championship Nielsen where he's kind of let them off the leash a bit more and uh, results are showing that they've won seven straight and have only conceded twice in that time and that's, that was the last two games and the defence even though I say he's, he's letting them off the leash a bit more the defence has actually played a, a big part in their turnaround but Seagrest was very close to getting the all-time uh, all-time record for minutes without conceding a goal oh really? Uh, I think when I think did Alo open the scoring a couple of weeks ago. I think that yeah. that put paid to the that put paid to that record. He um, so the, they had the blip earlier the season where the kind of pressure went on Nielsen again because they lost away at Alawa, uh, and then they were thumped at Queen of the South and you kind of thought oh well are they in for another slog this season and fans really weren't happy. But for those two games, they were missing. <laughs> even though he was actually kind of lambasted for a lot of his United career so far, Jamie Robson who a lot of United fans haven't really rated as a left-back, but he's, he's been getting better and better at the position. And basically what he did was give them width on the left, and Liam Smith gave them width on the right. So for those two matches without Robson, Smith went to the left, Paul Watson, who's a centre-half, went to right-back, and they brought in Tony Brown to play alongside Mark Reynolds. None of it worked. It meant Watson looked unnatural at right-back, as he normally as he, as he would as a centre-half. Smith couldn't get forward as much because he was playing on the wrong side, and Brown didn't look comfortable alongside Reynolds. Getting... Robson back has managed to put all the pieces back into place. Paul Watson especially has been excellent throughout this recent run. They could have just played Adrian Sproula, who they signed in the summer from Argentina. The United fans were quite excited about it. But as just because he's from Argentina. Though. Uh, yeah, as soon as I... Well, people have fun. He came, came for the Argentine top flight, to be fair, so it's a not bad pedigree. I'm not he's guff, but... It, no, he is guff. Yeah, oh, <laughs> which is what I knew as soon as I watched clips of one. Why is it this guy kind of dead? He's useless. Uh, yeah, so he's basically been unplayable. I, I, I need to go on Wisecout because I really want to watch that, see how they put it together 
to show you that a player does nothing. Like, how do you... Like, normally, even on a YouTube video, you can make anyone look good. But even, like, someone's so bad that even on that sort of highlights reel, you still look shit. <laughs> yep. That's a really hard fucking watch, really. His crosses were rubbish, his defending was rubbish, he didn't look particularly fast, he was just shite. But apart, but apart from that... Yeah, Puffler is a great player. Uh, just to quickly run through the rest of the team. Obviously, they've got Shanklin, best player in the division. Uh, Nicky Clark's actually been really good recently. So uh, we're all we're all we're all accepted that Nick, uh, Lawrence Shanklin because last year there was doubts. People on this podcast did not want to admit the Lawrence Shanklin train was. Do you know what? I tell you what impressed me about uh, Nielsen and Dun United. You can go through Dun United's team now, and you can probably point to five or six players that are either playing the best they've ever done in Tangerine or playing the best they've ever played in their career. So, Seagrist has come on, Jamie Robson's come on, Paul Watson, bear in mind they brought out a video when they signed them that basically said he was rubbish. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think you were away with that happened. They basically brought out a Twitter It was a Twitter video and it had like, it included like a... Three, three or four tweets in it and basically the tweets was like oh well I heard he's pushed but I don't know we need our body etc oh wow uh, Paul McMullen I couldn't wait to get in the <laughs> I'm so excited Paul McMullen has always had the ability to beat a man but now he has a kind of end product as yes. well uh, Ian Harks has come on Sam Stanton's improved Nicky Clark Louis Perry. now I don't know if Nielsen done that at Hearts in terms of bringing guys on but certainly this season he's very much done at United mm, and it would take no. Nobody got better. It would take. Everybody uh, signed was then good, and then slowly got worse. <laughs> I, I mean, if Dundee United don't win this season championship, it would be comparable to when Morton threw away Division Three in two thousand and four. It would take a, a collapse of that ilk. I think. I was thinking Walker and Parson. I think the two players Nielsen made better. Sam Nicholson. Yeah. Well, fingers crossed that that Morton collapse happens. Um, I just want to thank Derek Keel and Stuart Milne for their help with United Research. Very kind, very kind of them. Um, well, I suppose that'll be the end of our championship, and now we're going to go all the way back to the 70s. 1974. 1974, for our next instalment in Scotland. 42. For, number 42 of Scotland sort of getting decent results that mean fuck all. Uh, <laughs> top, top, top 50, and... Um, so this this one sort of like epitomises the whole um, sort of hard done by nature of uh, Scottish football fans. Glorious failure. Glorious failure. The bitter sweets of this. This is probably the start there. Do you say this is when it all... Oh, I think so. Yeah. This is when they got a good team. Yeah, we have an, we have an excellent... There's nothing, glor- there's nothing glorious about a failure in the last 20 years. See in 78 when, when there was this thing, oh we can go there and win it, we couldn't. Oh. But in 74... There was a belief that actually we could go and and, and win it. We played uh, played West Germany in a, a friendly uh, in the build up to the World Cup, and we were beating them one 0 West Germany scored with a couple of minutes to go. But this was uh, not that I'm a, a kind of Scottish football historian, but I would argue. You fucking right, yeah. <laughs> I would I would argue that this might be our best ever team. Well, there we go. Yeah, it's big big chat from someone who's seen every single Scottish football team <laughs> in the history of the world. Have you seen the date? Have you seen the game yet? No, no, no. Yeah. I was going to we're going to talk about the qualifying campaign. This was okay. uh, this was in the World Cup 1974. Uh, we we ended up in a group with um, Zaire. What the qualifying campaign? No, no. This is World Cup finals. What weird thing <laughs> <European laughs> <laughs> uh, that is. Actually, the World Cup was a 16-team World Cup, and we ended up in a group with Zaire, Brazil, and, and Yugoslavia. Yugoslavia. Yeah. Uh, but we to qualify for there, we absolutely stormed the group. Uh, but it was only three teams in the group. It was Brazil. Uh, sorry. <laughs> 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 uh, it was 
um, Den- villains are here. <laughs> the villains are here. Uh, Denmark and Czech Republic. Yeah. And, and Denmark were amateur. Were they amateur yeah. at the time? They still have a guy called Loudrop who scored against yeah. us. I didn't notice that. Uh, we're, actually, the- we're actually relying on the fact that Denmark drew with Czechoslovakia. And Denmark, otherwise, we... Might have had to win. Uh, well, we, we still had to beat Czechoslovakia in the last game, but I, I, I don't know how it would have panned out if Czechoslovakia had won. We would have been struggling even more, I think. No, I think we did get beat off Czechoslovakia in the last game. We got beat 1-0. No, no. We, no, we beat them... Uh, did not beat them 2-1? Sure, sorry. <laughs> sorry, sorry, break that. To we you, we got beat 1-0 off Czech Republic, uh, Czechoslovakia on 17th October 1973. So have we already qualified? We would already qualified. We'd stormed ah, it, like right. I said. Ah, okay. <laughs> 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 uh, we stormed stormed. We beat Denmark 4-1 away, then we beat Denmark 2-0 at home. Then Denmark and Czech Republic drew each other, then Czech Republic hammered Denmark 6-0. Then we beat Czechoslovakia 2-1. I'm just jumping between Czechoslovakia and Czech Republic. And then we'd already qualified because uh, we'd won every single match. And then we were on our way, and we were on our way to West Germany uh, in this game where we... So our first game was against Zaire, which we won 2-0 with goals for Lorimer and Jordan. Uh, but that was quite a cautious victory from what I read. Uh, we were quite safe in that, and... Ultimately, that could be blamed on well, bite bit us in the arse. There's, there's two ways to look at it. So this is the kind of notes I, I brought with me. Um, that's talking about Zaire. Because everybody remembers the famous incident, Zaire playing Brazil, where the guy runs out of... I've got his name here, actually. The boy runs out of the wall and, and absolutely blitters the ball at the park. And the kind of joke was, oh, look at these silly... Look at these silly black Africans, they don't know how to play football, kind of thing. Pretty much a racist joke. Obviously nobody said black, but that was that was basically what it was. Look at these daft Africans, they don't know how to play football. <laughs> and, and, and I'm not I'm 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 totally against racism, but I can see where they got the thought from. <laughs> <laughs> they shouldn't have though, because Morocco had played at the previous <laughs> World Cup and uh, Zaire had beaten Morocco the year before. So I they, mean they were they played football for a while. They didn't know the rules. <laughs> they didn't know the rules. It's an individual there who got a, a rush of blood to the head. There, there was a back no, story. no. The, the backstory was. A back story so this is, this is the backstory I'm coming on to. So they, they played Scotland. It's traffic. This boy's name there. Uh, they played Scotland in the first game and they were beaten two 0 So Zaire kind of thought that they were going to get they were due money basically. So in the next game they were, they were supposed to get bonuses they thought they were going to get bonuses for playing reasonably well and get beat because it was a very hard group for Zaire Scotland yeah, were very much up and coming Yugoslavia were a solid side and Brazil were reigning world, world champions so they, they fight well lose the first game 2-0 and then they don't get paid so they kind of pretty much they play but they're playing well protesting in their next game the goalie even gets taken off after 20 minutes but they're already 3 down because the manager thinks that he can't be arsed. The, the rumour was it was a, a kind of unofficial strike against Yugoslavia. Yes, so... But uh, the... Like unofficial strike against us? But <laughs> the Zaire dictator, Mbutu Sisi Seko, uh, was not happy that they were beating 9-0. He thought it was kind of a disgrace to the country. So the, the players were basically told that if you get hammered again by Brazil, you'll be... When you come back home, you'll be thrown in jail. Uh, and... <laughs> People in- <laughs> if you get hammered by the world champions and your your first ever World Cup as uh, semi-professional players, you will be getting put in jail. He, he, said, <laughs> he also said they'd be tortured. Yes, he did. Uh, remember, he was an African dictator. He, yeah. did, he did murder a lot of his own people. Uh, and I think it even in the stadium as well. The stadium was the. 
I think they had the famous fight in Zaire between Muhammad Ali and George Foreman. It was Rumble in the Jungle. Huh? I think there was a, a, a like a prison below the. There was. Like, well, that's like, cool. Yeah, a boxing fight. Above like washing away the blood and stuff, so they could set up for the for the fight. I was a bad egg. Have, have, have a good have a good undercard with just uh, inmates fighting. So when <laughs> Mwepu Ilunga uh, raced at the wall to, to kick it away, it was basically time wasting because they were shitting themselves. Oh. Two 0 down. Uh, article read said that they were like a very clever game. Yeah. Article read said they were not. They were told not to lose by more than three goals. Uh, I don't know whether that's true. It was exactly that, but they basically were told not to get hammered. So I think anything above. I think that's, that sounds realistic. That would be what I would normally think of. Anything over three goals is you've been pumped. I wish they'd been told not to lose by two because two two now would have passed through. <laughs> and it's a shame that the joke was basically racist because. It's, the true story itself is actually I mean not, not the whole torture part yeah. but the, to choose to time waste by running out of the wall and blootering the ball up the other end of the park is very funny in yeah. itself <laughs> I'm glad that you've I didn't know that so thanks for uh, enlightening me but funnily enough listeners that isn't the game we're talking about but that, that was why Scotland were kind of unlucky in this group they, they played Zaire first. first had they played Zaire in a second game like Yugoslavia did Scotland probably would have advanced. In fairness, there was points when we were two 0 up when we were playing keepy uppy. Yeah, that's yeah, what I was going to say. There was uh, very we, were, we played very cautiously. The, so the reaction, sometimes we do not cautiously. I'd say that is arrogantly. The reaction to the two 0 win was uh, they, they were slagged off about it and the fact that they they could have pushed for more. And the Zaire goalkeeper was absolutely terrible. I don't know if you've seen Jordan's goal that, that made it two 0 but he actually kind of catches it and then it kind of squirms through his arms and then just drops behind him. He I don't know if it was. I don't know if it was the same boy because the goal he was taken off in the Yugoslavia game but the the third goal in the game against Brazil which ultimately he knocks fucks it, uh, he fucks it for that that um, but Dennis Law he makes a great save for Dennis Law the Zaire keeper and that ends up and Dennis Law never goes on to, to score a goal in the in the World Cup finals for Scotland ah. Oh, yeah. He only played one World Cup, didn't he? This one. It's quite old, but the time uh, before coming, I think. Um, but now we'll go on to sort of iconic game. This right. game as well. Give, so, give me the date. Oh, it was uh, the 18th of June, 1974. Right, do you know what that was? That was the birthday of Vincenzo Montella. Oh, wow. He had some great celebrations. <laughs> I just love Montella. Yeah, Montella was brilliant. Uh, I've also got the number one uh, song in the UK. Uh, it's... Uh, the Streak by Ray Stevens. Have you ever heard this before? I looked it up and I listened to it on YouTube. It is a comedy song about a naked guy running through a supermarket and the kind of genre of music is kind of country bumpkin, kind of deep South America. It is absolutely fucking rubbish. Simpler times. Uh, number one movie at the US box office? Chinatown. Mm. Oh yeah, that's good. It's a good film. Don't like the ending. Very depressing. Uh... Hey, life isn't just... Flowers and chocolates. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Leave it, Tony. It's Chinese. <laughs> right, we're going to talk about the game now. Yeah, so the teams that we played, Brazil, who were the reigning world champions, uh, I think we were played that in Frankfurt, and it was a 7.30pm kickoff. Can I just say, watching the highlights back of this, I think Scotland's dominance in this game is quite overstated. Because uh, yeah, uh, I read about the game and it was that Scotland controlled it. Yeah. I, was, I, was under, I was under the impression that we controlled the game but watched but it back. The, the highlight, unless, it was just, really like. unless it was just badly edited highlights, we didn't have an entire chance in the first half. So I don't know how you can control the game like that. And, and what I, I think is, what I read is that we held our own and then as the game I think as the game sort of wore on, wore on Scotland sort of like... First, but even still, they only had one proper chance. Most of it was shots from distance. Well, let's read these teams out. So we were managed by Willie Ormond at the time. Our start lineup was David Harvey in goals, 
uh, Martin Buchan in defence, David Hay, Jim Holton and Sandy Jardine and Danny McGrain making up a back five. Uh, then we had Billy Bremner as our captain, Willie Morgan, Kenny Dalgleish, Joe Jordan and Peter Lorimer as our strike force. So it's a very good team. It's, it's, funny, a, it's a good team. It's funny because when I looked at it, it was the, so the, I think essentially it's just a collection of players from Leeds, Manchester United, Celtic, Celtic and Rangers. Yeah. And then I looked to see, I looked at the 73-74 English First Division to see where Leeds United and Manchester United finished. And Man United got relegated. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we just managed to convince ourselves that this is a, was a brilliant Leeds team. Leeds would be that season. Leeds won it. Leeds, Leeds won it. There we go. So Lorimar and Bremner were uh, and, uh, and Harvey. Well, which it was, Leeds, uh, Manchester United got relegated with uh, an unusually uh, tight defence. There was only a few teams in the top 10 uh, that conceded fewer goals in them. So in fact, it was Jordan not Leeds as well. Sorry to interrupt. Yes, that was Revy's Revy's thing was to take players for Scotland. And then Jim so Jim Holton was at Manchester United at the time and the supporters used to sing six foot two, eyes are blue, big Jim Holton is after you and he was six foot one and had brown eyes. So <laughs> that's that song None of it made any sense. See, see, the, the fact that Sean's at the games, he can actually tell you <laughs> such intricate sort of facts. There's no way of finding anywhere on the internet. He was a he was a 15 year old when he was first shandy. <laughs> he went and drank in the pub with the guy. Your eyes are brown. Also, the uh, the Scottish Football Writers Player of the Year award was given to the entire Scottish team. Oh, that's just, that's oh, that is absolutely. Bad miss, or was it just that he didn't see, have to react? There's um, conflicting. 
See, so the angle is two angles, and I don't want to take one over the other because angles can be deceiving and kind of uh, can lead to confirmation bias. Especially so, with angles in the seventies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So the original angle, I just thought it hit off him. The angle for behind the goal makes it look like he does actually have tight to turn his foot and just doesn't divert it enough. Does it get his own angle correct? Lorimer did say. Nine, 99 times out of 100 he'd have stuck that away he says I know it just bounced off him but Billy had very sharp reactions and I think he does have time to I think he, he does shape his foot yeah like that's trying to be sound because you don't want to be an arsehole but really you're saying well you know fucking scoring Lorimer <laughs> <laughs> had a lot to say after this game uh, he, he talked about uh, Revelino he was, I was a midden Brazil I'd, I've seen I, I was trying to find <laughs> some midden I was, <laughs> trying, <laughs> I was trying to find longer highlights of the, the game because I'd, I've seen longer highlights before and Brazil were so dirty that game to be fair I think it was because the last time we played a World Cup in Europe they'd been absolutely kicked off the park in 66 so apparently they were told that they had to be a lot more physical this time but they I mean of the two teams <laughs> but that's the difficulty if, you're a, if, you're, if you get told that uh, I mean it's unusual then you will take it to new levels but, of what you're but, used to of the two, you're not was, used to it you're just like being physical kick fuck it though it was Brazil that won the, it was Brazil that won the, the, the dirty of the two ah, he, he said about Revelino he was brutal absolutely brutal he spent the game really whacking wherever he could we always think of Brazilian being fantastic on the ball and being great players, which they were then, but they were ruthless. We had them rattled that night and it showed in their response. He said the referee was poor that day, very weak. He let the Brazilians off with far too much. It was, as if, it was as if he thought, as so many people tended to do, these guys don't do the rough stuff. Yellow cards had only been introduced at the pre- yellow cards and red cards had only been introduced at the previous World Cup. Back then, you still had to do a hell of a lot to get a booking, and referees were still in that mode of giving it warning after warning. As he should know, as a fucking Leeds United player, <laughs> uh, famously Johnny Giles punched Kevin Keegan in the charity shield and didn't get sent <laughs> off, uh, despite the fact the referee saw it. <laughs> get I, us back uh, to those days. I, yeah. uh, I, I tried to find interesting stuff out about the referee. His name was Ari van Germet. He was Dutch. Sure, there's uh, more interesting than what I came up with the, the last time. The only thing I could find out was it was an Aries. It's literally nothing. You couldn't find anything. Um, I found out some. Well, I'm not. But maybe not. But uh, <laughs> and then uh, the, Gordon, the Gordon McQueen story I found is quite nice. Okay. Uh, um, because uh, obviously he had he had throat cancer, uh, and how that actually came about, like the reason he was able to catch it early, was because he was on Sky Sports News, and his throat was very raspy, and people phoned up saying, "I don't know, there's something wrong with him," and uh, he was ignoring it. But the person who bought his house was a doctor uh, who specialised in cancer, and we heard that, and then they and then they got phoned and got together, and he forced them to go. To the hospital to get checked because he's and but he said Gordon McQueen at the time was very no I'll go in a couple of months it's just a sore throat and they forced it to go and then they found that he had cancer and then they caught it early enough and that's how he was able to that's so good that's like Sky Sports News viewers who normally think of be dicks out on a high that's that's a lovely story to uh, pacify everybody to put to put some warmth back into people's hearts uh, especially if they listen to the podcast on Friday and waking up to a world where we've got a Tory majority. <laughs> What's that on your t-shirt, Sean? Uh, still hates that. <laughs> <laughs> let's have a let's have a sing song in this podcast. Are we ready for it? We hate that job. Everybody really hates Margaret Thatcher. We hate that job. Everybody hates Margaret Thatcher. Goodbye. Sports 
Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.